Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? He said. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound but seeing no one. Then Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. My four-year-old daughter, Eden, has a way of getting my attention, a methodology, a very unique strategy. If I'm preoccupied or if I'm, if I'm just not paying enough attention to her, it's a three-part strategy that involves volume, repetition, and physical interruption. The way it looks is she literally climbs onto my head leans her little lips right as close to my ear as she possibly can, and at the top of her voice says, Dad, 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 Dad. <laughs> and it usually works. She usually gets my attention. The story of Saul on the road to Damascus is a story of a God who wants Saul's attention. And it's interesting. He actually uses some of the same methodologies. Volume, repetition, and physical interruption by way of a blinding light that knocks Saul onto the road. You see, the story of Saul on the road to Damascus is the story of a God who wants our attention. It's the story of a God who wants to break through our routines, our rhythms, even our religion, in order to have a true, meaningful, deep relationship with us. It's the story of a God who is not just an object to be worshipped, not just an idea to be contemplated, not just a, a doctrine to be believed. It's the story of a father who wants to be known by his children. And so today, I want to spend a few moments reminding you of some of the core truths about the God you serve. And that is that God is real, God is present. God is powerful, God loves you, and God wants your attention. They don't just want you to do the things that you're supposed to do in the relationship. They want, they want something more. They want, they want 
your presence. They want you to be real and present with them in that moment. For example, if my wife, Rebecca, says, Brent, I need your attention or I want your attention. If I were to respond to her by saying, well, look, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do as a husband. I am, I'm taking out the trash. I'm bringing home a paycheck. I'm helping around the house, helping with the kids. I'm doing, doing my duty as a husband and a father. That would not get to what she's asking for because what she's asking for in that moment is she's asking for my attention. She's asking for my affection. That's the same as it is with God and us. God doesn't want us to just to just follow the prescrip- the prescription, to follow the rules. He wants something more. That's what he wanted from, from Saul. I mean, if you look at the story of Saul, Saul is, is, is such a unique character in the Bible because it's not like he was running from God. He wasn't living in rebellion. He wasn't in outright defiance of God. In fact, he was just the opposite. He was doing his duties. He was doing everything that he believed he was supposed to be doing. If you look at his life, he, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was actively engaged in his synagogue. He was praying. He was fasting. He was learning at the feet of Gamaliel. He was uh, of the most strict sect of Judaism, the Pharisees. He was of the, one of the most elite tribes, the, the, uh, the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, he really was at the top of his game. And yet God was saying, that's not what I want from you. What I want is your heart. What I want is you. I want your attention. I want you to know me. And that's why God had to interrupt him. If he had been like Jonah, you know, actively going the opposite way of God, or if he had been like the prodigal son who was living in open defiance of God, that's a different, that's a different story. This is somebody who, like many of us, many of us who are Christians, who are followers of Jesus, the real threat for him to a real relationship with God was not his rebellion. It was his sense of righteousness. It was his sense of rightness that he was doing everything right. And that was enough. For a lot of us as followers of Jesus, we can get into that same flow. We can get into that same pattern where we, if we've been Christians long enough, we get the flesh under control. We basically are able to um, harness our most negative habits or at least harness them to a degree that they don't blow up our life. And we get in, we can get into a good routine where we're doing everything the right way for the most part. And that is actually more of a threat to our relationship with God than open rebellion against God. Because in the scriptures, we see it all the time that the, the, the tax collectors and the prostitutes had a closer relationship with God than those who believed they were righteous because your belief that you are righteous can be a replacement for your real relationship with God. And so I wonder today if all that we're experiencing, this disruption, this interruption that we're experiencing in the world, I'm wondering if God can't use this to reach some of us who are not paying attention to him. I wonder if he can use this to break through some of our own sense of rightness. If he can use this to break through some of our own rhythms and our own routine routines, 
our own religious practice in order to have a real relationship with us. Because that is what God desires from you today, from me today. God wants our attention. some ways, the story of Paul on the road to Damascus is a totally unique story. It's, a, it's outrageous. It's bizarre. It's a miracle. It's this huge moment where Saul hears the audible voice of God, lightning flashes all around. He's knocked to the, to the, to the ground by the physical presence of God. And that's a story that most of us on the surface don't relate to. At least for me, I've never never heard the audible voice of God. I've never been physically knocked to the ground by the power of his presence. I've never had lightning flash around me. But on another level, we can, we can all relate to that experience because we're all on a path like he was on the road to Damascus. We're all on a journey in life. We're all seeking to, to pursue a goal. We all have an objective in mind that we're trying to reach. See, the apostle Paul wasn't just leisurely walking down the road to Damascus. He was on a mission. He had a purpose. He had letters from the high priest. He was going to round up Christians. He was, he was pursuing something and then God stopped him in his tracks. His mission failed. His objective failed. He was not able to move past that moment. And that's something all of us can relate to. All of us can relate to the pursuit of a goal and the pursuit of an objective and an aim that we want to reach and failing at it, failing, not being able to, to reach the goal that we were pursuing. But that, that wasn't the end of the story. The failure was actually the beginning of the story because a lot of times in God's kingdom, failure is the doorway to faith. You see, the apostle Paul began in that moment, in that failure, to experience what God really was all about. It was in the failure that God got his attention. Jesus would teach often about, he, he would use this metaphor. He would say that a grain of wheat cannot live unless it goes into the ground and dies. But if it dies, then it produces much fruit. If it doesn't die, it abides alone, it withers. You think, well, that's counterintuitive. How, why does something have to die in order to bear fruit? Why does something have to, to go into the ground and act in, in order to actually accomplish its purpose? But if you look around in, in these woods, you find, you find like these little acorns everywhere. And what's interesting about them is that if they don't die, if they don't fall into the ground, if they don't disintegrate and break down, then the fullness of their potential cannot be released. It's only when they go into the ground and die that they can come back and produce a tree. And not only a tree, but a tree that produces other trees until it produces its forest. You see, your failures are not something for you to be ashamed of. They're not something for you to hide. They're not something for you to fear. They're not something for you to run from. Your failures are often the doorway to faith. 
So my question is, where have you failed? Where have you fallen apart? Where have you fallen to the ground? Where have you broken down? Where have you misstepped? Because maybe God is trying to use your failures to point you to your destiny. Maybe he's trying to use your mistakes to point you to your mission. Maybe today God is using the failures that you've experienced in your life to get your attention. Several years ago, I picked up a friend at the airport to take him home. And for whatever reason that day, I decided to take the back roads to his house. So we're driving, I'm familiar with the back roads. I grew up in North County. I've been all around the airport as a kid. We're driving down the back roads and a couple times my friend asked me, are you sure you know where you're going? Are you sure we're going the right way? And I very confidently said, absolutely, but about 30 minutes into the drive, it became apparent to both of us that we were totally lost. You see, here's the problem. It's really easy to give direction to someone who knows they're lost. It's really hard to give direction to someone who thinks they're right. Saul thought he was right. Saul was convinced that everything in his life was as it should be. His theology was right, his doctrine was right, his pedigree was right, his resume was right, his education was right. Everything was right. His behavior, his attitude, hey, he thought everything was right. And that's why God could not get to him. That's why God could not get his attention because he thought he already had it squared away. But I love what happens on the road to Damascus because on the road, God has to disorient him in order to reorient him. God has to convince him that he's not right in order to open up the doors to him getting right for real. If you look at the scriptures, it's very interesting. It says that Saul's eyes were open, but he could not see. And then God says something very, very unique to him. He says, get up and go into the city, and then I will tell you what to do. If you notice the order of that, it's very fascinating. Get up and go. And after you go, I'm going to tell you what to do. In other words, God is saying, I want your obedience before I tell you the outcome. I'm going to disorient you a little bit in order to reorient you. You see, sometimes in our life, disorientation comes before reorientation. Sometimes we have to be at a point in our life where we realize we don't have it all figured out. We haven't got the ultimate understanding of the way everything works before God can actually intervene in our life and speak to us and get our attention. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Sometimes God will use the uncertainty, the unpredictability, the unknowing, the disorientation, the confusion in our life 
to teach us to trust in him, to rely on him. I know that many of us are feeling uncertain in these uncertain times. God, what are you doing? What are you doing in my life? What are you doing in my family? What are you doing in my job? What are you doing in our city, God? What is going on in the world? What's going on, God? But it's in the middle of this disorientation, in this uncertainty, that we can learn to put our trust in Him. Not lean onto our own understanding, not try to control everything, not be so confident that we're right. You see, sometimes we have to lose our footing in order to find our way. dust settled on Saul's experience on the road to Damascus, when the voice began to fade and the light began to dim. Saul found himself on the ground, blind, uncertain, disoriented, unable to see, not quite knowing what was going to happen next. His friends picked him up. They led him into Damascus, where for three days he didn't eat, couldn't see. He just prayed, God, what are you doing? What are you trying to say to me? I know you're trying to get my attention. What do you want me to do? Well, the Lord wasn't finished with Saul. He had somebody in mind that was going to take him across the finish line. Maybe some of you can relate to the experience of, as a child or as a teenager, maybe you had an encounter, some meaningful experience with God. But over time, the light dimmed in your life. The voice of God in your heart began to fade. And maybe now you're wondering, God, what are you doing with my life? You're uncertain. You're uncertain. It's not clear what's going to happen next. Your eyes are open, but you still can't see well. Well, God had a plan. He had a plan for Saul, and he had a plan for you. God called a man named Ananias, told Ananias, I want you to go. I want you to go pray with Saul. Ananias was a follower of Jesus, a a mature, devout follower of Jesus. And Ananias wasn't keen on going and praying for somebody who had threatened his life, threatened the life of his family, but he was obedient. Scripture says that Ananias went to Saul and he laid his hands on him. And he said, Brother Saul. I love that phrase, Brother Saul. He called, he called someone brother who had threatened to murder him. Brother Saul. This is the kind of love that is meant to pour out of the heart of followers of Jesus. Brother Saul, Jesus, who you met on the road to Damascus, has sent me to pray for you that you might receive your sight and that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Scripture says something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he was baptized and he regained his sight. 
began to eat and he regained his strength. You see, God was converting Saul, transforming Saul into Saul, the one who was breathing threats and murder against the people of the Lord to the apostle Paul, who was gonna bring hope and life and the gospel to the world. But God had to get his attention. So God used failure, God used uncertainty, and then God ultimately used the hands of one of his people. Today, maybe you are experiencing some failure in your life. And maybe God's trying to get his attention, get your attention through your failure. Maybe you're experiencing some uncertainty. I'm sure you are, we all are. Maybe God's trying to get our attention through uncertainty. Or maybe God's trying to use somebody that you know, someone that you know, to reach out to you through prayer, through conversation, to get your attention. Because sometimes God uses failure and sometimes he uses uncertainty. And then sometimes God reaches us through the hands of his people. I grew up in church as a kid. My dad was a pastor. Uh, his dad was a pastor. My mom's dad was a pastor. All my uncles were pastors. So I was just a kid that grew up around the community of believers all my life. But uh, around my teenage years, late teenage years, early 20s, uh, the light began to dim for me and the voice of God in my heart began to fade. For many years, I, like Saul, uh, was not listening to the voice of God. Throughout that time, God tried to get my attention many times. And he used failure, and he used uncertainty, and ultimately, he also used the hands of his people. I remember several years ago now, I uh, was feeling drawn back to him, and I finally meandered into a church and sat in the back row and just let the Spirit of God pour over me. Uh, I didn't become a follower of Jesus in that moment. I didn't have a blinding light moment, uh, an immediate conversion. But little by little, the scales began to fall off of my eyes and ultimately God drew me all the way in to his church. 
I would respectfully submit today that there may be some of you out there who, for whatever reason, maybe good reasons or bad reasons, have drifted away from the community of believers. Maybe you were hurt at a church, or maybe someone said something or did something that didn't align with what you knew uh, to be the gospel or to be the way that Jesus would have done things. And you allowed that hurt or that resentment uh, to drive you away from, from Christ and from his body and from his church. Well, as we see from Ananias, God really does call us as followers of Jesus to pour out a kind of love that is beyond us. And my prayer for you today is that you would experience that love. Maybe through us, maybe through the church, maybe through this recording, uh, maybe through someone that's praying for you, maybe from some family member or friend that is reaching out to you. But my prayer is that whatever, whatever God needs to use to get your attention, to draw you back into relationship with him, my prayer is that he would use that today and that you would receive it. Because at the very beginning of this sermon, I, I said that there are a few foundational things that we all need to remember about God. We need to remember that God is real and God is present. God is real, God is present, God is powerful, God loves you, and God wants your attention. So, why don't we take a moment today, wherever you are, whatever's going on in your home or wherever you're watching this, let's just take a moment and hear from God. Just silently in your own space, say, God, what do you want me to hear? What do you want me to know? And then let's just take a moment and hear from him.
Amen.